With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Tower Tabletop, the new home of the Mud and Blood podcast. It's good to have you. It's good to have you. I hope you're well. I hope you're well. I hope you're good. I hope you've got plenty going on in your life that keeps you happy. I've been busy. Oof, so busy. Uh, Kiwi RPG week wrapped up um, at the start of this week that I'm currently recording this in. Um, and for that, I did a whole bunch of interviews, did a panel for the Big Bad Con, did a whole bunch of things. Um, it's been crazy. <laughs> it's been full on. It's been really, really full on, which is why I had to take a week off. I took that week off just to chill. Um, you may have noticed the week between the morgue interview and, um, the carrying company episode that came out last week. I just needed to try and catch up really. I didn't actually take time off. I was just spending a week catching up with editing of the um, carrying company. Um, and even then it was still slightly rushed. So it's been crazy. Plus, you know, my dog's been sick and all sorts. Man, it's been all on. It has been all on. But it's good. It's good. I'm getting on top of it. Starting to feel starting to feel alive again. Yeah, starting to starting to get there. So who am I talking to this month then? Pam Punzelin is a friend of mine that has been a friend for quite a while. This is my first time actually talking directly to her. You will likely know her from her work on the islands of Sina Una, Spire, Starfinder, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, and the up-and-coming Dagger Isles supplement for Blaze in the Dark, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. She's been involved with a lot of bits and pieces, this woman. Um, the thing that's always stood out to me is her work with the RPGC community. That whole community is amazing. If you want to look into community building, you need to look at RPGC. Um, it's really good, everything they've done. And Pam is a small but significant part of that, um, bringing all that together and making that happen. So as someone who's put together a few communities over, over the years and does you know um a lot of the things that pam does game design cultural you know sort of consultation things like that um it's always very curious to hear her thoughts on a lot of things so we got we got together and had a yarn now a lot of people out there who are out of the rpg industry might find this episode covering a lot of ground you haven't probably covered before there's a lot of talking about the experience as a marginalized person within the scene here. Um, so part of this new format that Tower Tabletop does is I reach out to my guests. I don't tell them what I want them to come on and talk about typically. What I do is I say, hey, I want you to come on as a guest host. What do you want to talk about? Because I want to pigeonhole people because I know what it's like to always be asked to talk about the same things. And the thing that Pam wanted to talk about was what it is like as a marginalized identity, as someone who 
is queer, who is from a colonised place, who is outside of the Anglosphere, outside of the global north, etc. She wanted to talk about all of these things and how that impacts your ability to exist in a scene that is run by people who don't look like you, who live in parts of the world that you don't live in and who speak languages different to you, right? Um, which is a brave thing to discuss. And, you know, as tends to happen when we discuss these things with good friends, both of us dived into rant territory multiple times, which I loved. I'm sure a lot of you love it too. Some of you who are here looking for advice on how to run a sandbox game or how to handle problem players or whatever, probably not the episode for you this one but if you like to know what it's like being an in industry if you want to hear the story of someone who has uh, pushed up against boundaries and overcome those boundaries and is continuing to push up against those boundaries every single day this is an episode for you uh, I'm really grateful that Pam came on and shared her experiences um, and you know I think everyone's fortunate to get to hear these things so get comfortable and uh, yeah have a good listen, eh? Ina mana, ina reo, ina hauifa, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa, no mai haere mai. So, I'm joined today by someone I've wanted to talk to for a very, very long time, and I'm very <laughs> happy to have you here. Um, I'm joined by Pam. Hello, Pam. How are you Hi. doing? I'm doing all right. It's <laughs> just another noisy morning in Manila. <laughs> <laughs> so, because... South of the equator, right? So you'll be going into autumn as well. Is that right? Oh no, no, we're we're just we're actually just a little above it. So oh, wow, our, okay. yeah, we only have we we only have maybe four seasons here, which is rainy and hot, or not rainy and hot and hot, <laughs> not rainy, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I can I can imagine. I was I was once kind of close to the equator. Um Back in my military days, I did a deployment in Solomon Islands and also in um, East Timor. Um, and oh, it made me appreciate <laughs> like a temperate climate a lot more, eh? I can only, I can only oh, yeah. But it is what it is. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's the main thing is that, you know, like I, I guess you sort of acclimatize to it, eh? Because I know I also don't like it when it snows. So, oh, yeah. Um, well, what's interesting is I grew up in, in Vancouver and that's like way up Canada, right? So, right. And, and Vancouver in particular is very mild. Its winters are mild, its summers are mild, its springs are mild, et cetera, et cetera. So, coming down here at the age of 10, where it's just hot all the time, <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a trip. And my, my father loved the, Love the idea of acclimatizing his kids quickly and cheaply. So we were not allowed to use aircon uh, for our entire first year here. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, me and my siblings were just flopping around like dead whales in a, in a hot, <laughs> humid house. But after that, we were very tough. We were tougher than a lot of our our peers when it came mm. to heat. We were just like it doesn't bother us. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's like a classic father yarn, eh? Like my um. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't swim properly as a kid. Like I grew up uh, in a place called uh, Gisborne or Tarafati, which is a, a beachside town, heaps of surfing and stuff there. And I was one of the few kids that couldn't swim because I had um I was born with like a lot of hearing difficulties and I had grommets growing up, so I couldn't submerge my head. And then mm. they all those surgeries and stuff finally got done 
when I was around about sort of eight or nine and my father decided he was going to teach me to swim by this because he was in the Navy. He was like, no, my boy's going to know how to swim. And this took me to a jetty and this threw me off into the sea. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he was like, if you want to, if you don't want to drown, boy, you better learn to swim. And I, I did. <laughs> so oh gosh. Classic, yeah. uh, classic dad stuff. But, um, <laughs> you know, we live and learn. <laughs> so for um for any of our listeners who you know are maybe unaware of you do you want to give us a bit of a a rundown as to you know in your words um who you are and you know especially in in regards to the the rpg world and stuff like that and and what you do i know people don't like doing this but i have to put you on the spot <laughs> uh, i think why people don't like doing this is because you just end up going through this huge mental checklist of like what's okay to say well, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Um, so I am a game designer, uh, a writer, a editor, a sensitivity reader, and a cultural consultant based in Manila. Mm. I'm also a queer woman in a country that does not approve of my very existence. So, and beyond that, I am the only girl in a family of, of six kids. So a lot of that informs, I guess, my my design and my motivations to be to be seen and heard prior mm. to doing day, game design work. Cause it was always a passion of mine. Uh, and I grew up doing, uh, playing a lot of video games because since, since I moved in from, from Canada, I was basically a fish out of water. So you end up immersing yourself a lot in, in any kind of uh, play that you can do on your own, or that you can do with trusted individuals. Mm. Uh, so my, my brothers are very into D and D. And, but I was the only girl and I was far too young for them. So what, the funny story with my design, which a lot of people get shocked by, is uh, I did not grow up reading actual books. I, I grew up reading rule books and not really understanding a thing, but absorbing the language there. Mm. Um, and what really, I guess, changed things for me was prior to Big Bad Con in, in 2019, which is, uh, I think for some of you who do not know, it is a convention in San Francisco that occurs every year. Um, and prior to that, I had only really been on the fringes using mm. a lot of these things as a hobby, right? So I'd go to tabletop events, I'd help out, uh, I'd GM sometimes, or I'd run my own groups, or I'd try to organize communities that were friendly towards women and, and queer folks in Manila. Um, but then BBC happened... And that became, I guess, a initiative of me and a lot of the other representatives who managed to get scholarships funding or had the means to travel to introduce the designers of, of tabletop games to the predominantly white American space. Mm. So uh, some people might have seen the hashtag RPGC going around mm -hmm. that was created by, by peers of mine. And uh, I sort of, for a while, became the face of that, like, mm. amalgas blob, right? Um, which is to say I didn't like the idea that I was the face because the purpose of a hashtag, uh, as, as far as I understand it, is like, it's, it's for use for anybody who identifies mm -hmm. with it, right? And mm -hmm. people in, in RPGC spaces, at least, at least a lot of us, are very suspicious of, of leaders, um, yes, for I... for, 
<laughs> right? We are extremely suspicious of anybody who says, I am the be all, end all, alpha and omega. Right? <laughs> um, for, for reasons that I could go a mile emitted into, so I'd rather not. Uh, every single... Mm, every single Southeast Asian tabletop space has had an instance of a person getting all the opportunities, all of the visibility, all of the representation, and just taking it and running with it and not leaving anything behind mm-hmm. for for the rest of us. And there has also been cases, particularly in the Philippines and in Malaysia, of of, of downright abusive people who really harmed a lot of other designers and their colleagues. The mm. Philippines was lucky in that we were able to kick out the, the main person who did that. Um, but the, the echoes have remained. Uh, and it, it, you know, with, with, as with evil, it's never truly defeated, right? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Everybody says it is, but it's, it's not. Uh, the, the reality of handling harm uh, and abuse and evil things I've learned this as a community point person is that you you create little bastions uh, so the start of it the bastions for safe spaces are small and the bastions of of terrible things are large mm. uh, the most that more the most that most people can do is that you've reduced their evil bastion and you've expanded yours but yeah I that you've never really killed it. Is, no, is the thing. <laughs> no, 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 like that stuff. Always people like you know, bad people and sort of and and bad attitudes tend to hang around. They like like mm-hmm. they're a, they're a stench that you can only sort of yeah, as you say, you can sort of mitigate it to an extent, but it's always there, um, and it's something that you have to be mindful of, and it's something that's really easy for people who aren't affected by it to sort of have like a live and let live mentality towards and stuff like that. And it just gets, gets frustrating. eh? like, um, I, we've like the RPGC is, is I, I, I I love it. Um, as, as far as communities go, it's something which, um, as I I find really inspirational. Um, it's actually been the basis for, um, Kiamu Fakato O Te which is um, like the Kiwi RPG community that uh, we've started putting together recently. Um, oh, that's lovely. And it was heavily like when, when we first started discussing it, we're like, yo, what are we going to, what are we going <laughs> to, like how are we going to do this? And like it was myself and a few other people from Big Bad Con last year. Big Bad Con seems to be a, a recurrent theme here. We, <laughs> we got asked to do like a panel on, because um, it was a 24-hour online thing. There was yes, like a dead yes. spot at night time. Like I went on yeah. just after you, I think. Yeah. And um, there's this dead spot at night time. We needed to fill it. And they're like, people in New Zealand, there's people over there, they make games. And then that's like, you know, at, a, at an hour that Americans and Euros aren't up. So that's perfect. <laughs> um, so we went on. And um, afterwards, we're like, "Hey, it's really cool, kind of talking to each other. This is awesome. Let's make a, a let's make this a recurrent thing. Like, let's try and do something." And, and uh, it was it was either me or um, one of the others that first said, "You know, it'd be awesome if we could do something like half as good as what RPGC does in terms of like <laughs> giving back to the community, not just being like a place to talk to each other, but as a place to grow um, and sort of." Because we're we're in this fortunate space of we're very much in the global north, but we're and in the Anglosphere, but we're sort of like 
in the dusty corner of it. So we're sort of, yeah. it's this weird <laughs> middle ground. It's that weird. We're sort of <laughs> um, so like, we're like, yeah, we want to try and like, you know, like try and remind the world that we, we are a thing. And um, absolutely RPGC was what we really sort of reached out for. And, and I had to put together our copupper or like our policies. Right. And, um, and I was like, Oh man, it's like, how, how do you try and write something like this and make sure you're not, providing platforms for bad people or or yeah. you're writing in ways to try and encourage the best out of the community and still have something to fall back on if things go absolute tits up because right. if, if you just come across and just say hey we're all about inclusion and all this sort of stuff and everyone's equal then people are going to try and they'll 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 turn that they'll twist that and they'll oh yeah you know, and that was <laughs> trying to oh, the num- yeah the yeah. number of times i have had uh, in particular, both cishet men in my community and uh, and abusive, harmful queer people and mm. some women, like all colors, or rather not all shapes down here, not all colors, telling me, I thought your policy was inclusive. So mm. uh, why aren't you including me, right? And I'm like, because you're a fucking asshole. That's why. <laughs> like, do I need to explain that to you? Right? Because like, uh, one of the things that... Uh, as a okay, as a as a designer, right? A lot of people know me for like the girl is doing the dagger aisles, or like mm. the the first local Filipino radiant citadel D and D cool stuff, right? Mm. Or like thirsty sword lesbians. So you you know what my projects, right? Mm. Um, and or people know that I'm involved with Asians Represent, or that I was the one person lugging a suitcase like yay hive of Southeast Asian games. <laughs> BBC going like buy my games <laughs> the people are cool right you know me for that stuff right but like um anyone who has been a co-admin with me in any kind of community knows that I am the bitch who will say number one none of you are paid for this hmm. so you respect your own boundaries and you make people respect that and hmm. number two uh Y'all can be nice. I'm going to be the one who's going to be very terrible and beat about this. Because as far as I'm concerned, uh, you do not negotiate with terrorists. And terrorists will always exist in a community. I am the one who's like, no, you kick Mm. them out now. So my other admin tend to be the one who go like, well, maybe we could see it this way. And they're, they're a lot more nuanced about it than I am uh, at times. Uh, um, so okay, occasionally I'm not proud of how mean I can get. Uh, but when, when you tell me to create an inclusive, diverse space, uh, you are also asking me to create a safe one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. a safe community means that you must excise the cancers in them. Uh, and will it hurt those people? Probably. But what hurts more, and I think I've said this on Twitter ad nauseum, actually, what hurts more is that every single time somebody harmful does harm, you are minimizing or outright erasing the potential and the voices of all of the people who were hurt. Yes. So mm. it's, it's a matter of doing the mental and emotional calculus. You take out one person, to save the rest. It mm. sounds very harsh, but I really think that's the reality of community management. It, the, the, the mix is in, or rather the, the good stuff, is in how you do that mental calculus. Are you being deliberate? Mm. Are you being nuanced? Are you being fair? And are you also acknowledging your own biases, staring them in the face and putting them aside? Because mm. that mm. are very, very difficult. 
the I think in general, all all tabletop spaces, regardless of where we are, suffer from the same um feeling of this is just kind of like a hobby to me. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you have the whole gamut, right? Of like people who were like, I'm doing this for fun in my spare time after my job to I literally need to make the bills on my mm, next mm, commission. Mm. Like it's it's that range, and you cannot. Um, you, and also, tabletop spaces are full of people who kind of generally all know each other or know of each other. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of balancing that most people with a modicum of privilege do not understand mm. the the strain of right. Um, and it's it's just a lot all the time. Mm. when when it comes to to handling these things i do also wonder if um i think i wonder sometimes as well if there's a cultural element at play so like i know in um it's gonna so like (laughs) this is something i've discussed in the podcast before and that as i've gotten to know more people from southeast asia i've come to realize that um we share what we call in Māori like a whakapapa or a lineage or a history, right? Like um, there's a Indonesian fellow that lives here in my city and we often corridor around how our languages are so similar. It's not funny, despite the fact that there's several thousand years between us. <laughs> We've got the same words for like, we, we have big birds here called moa, which we mm-hmm. ate back in the day, whereas where he comes uh-huh. from, that's chicken and stuff like that, right? It's very obvious that we are you know, of a lineage and a history. And and a mindset around how we view the world, right? So, uh, for those of us within Te Ao Māori, we talk about how white people are born with rights and privilege, and Māori people are born with obligations, right? Um, and I I do sometimes think when I when I know people are building communities from similar cultures, there's definitely this this whole idea of community first, individual second, right? And that's right. something that some people who come at it from a more contemporary colonial white lens struggle with because they're like, yeah. no, my rights, like I know my rights, and the and the rules are here to protect me. It's like, well, no, no, not we, no, not in your world, maybe, but in our world. The rules are here to protect all of us, and unfortunately, you're the problem, dog. You got to go. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's also um, the one thing that a lot of people do not know about RPGC. It's been said a lot, but as with the nature of internet and digital spaces, the there it, it's 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 almost impossible to archive mm. unless you're really really watching right and doing it for research right. Uh, we. We set about deciding that when we're creating our hashtag, we're not going to create one be all end all community. We want everybody as much as possible to create their own spaces mm. because every time you choose the one voice uh, model where you have that one person who can do everything or say everything and be everything or the one person who can represent everybody's rights or whatever. You get an imperialist and a colonizer. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's yeah. that's what you get, yeah. right? Um, and the other thing that we acknowledge is that whiteness is not a particular face or country or, or race. It's it's a system, mm. and that system is harmful. So, and, and whiteness can be something that even somebody uh, of color can can imbibe, mm. um, consume, and perpetuate. Uh, this is particularly important in the Philippines because many Southeast Asian folks call us the odd duck. 
And we do mm. feel like the odd duck because we are the only predominantly Catholic nation. Uh, we are also one of the only Spanish colonies in the area. So in many ways, we have a lot more interjections with uh, RPG LATAM mm. than we do with RPGC. Uh, and we, we are English-speaking and we have a lot of issues with our own languages. Mm. And in many ways, we're very terminally, terribly American mm -hmm. because of the, a long period of American nostalgia down here. Uh, the, we, we fought for our independence, but in reality, we were sold uh, to, to the States. Mm. And we were called the, the little brown brother for most of our existence. And many people uh, have taken that culture uh in for themselves that's why we have the term coconut you're mm. brown on the on the outside but you're white on the inside we have a similar one here yeah <laughs> yeah here though it's used by um pacifica who are trying to accuse like second generation immigrants of not being true pacifica right oh but it's the I same see. idea like brown on the outside white interesting. On the inside. yeah interesting yeah yeah yeah, yeah no it is I, I and they actually i think goes back to what you were saying about how, you know, you get these bad actors within our communities where everyone's like, oh, surely you're all supporting each other and you're trying to help each other get out. And it's like, well, like that's us against the world sort of situation that we're like, that we're inherently put in causes like a um, fuck you got mine mentality to try and dig yourself out yes. of it, right? And mm -hmm. you end up adopting that um yeah that, that that whiteness as you talk about yes. um that mentality yeah. yeah it's um and it's it's heartbreaking when it happens but at the same time like you just you have to be ruthless about it, it it's also a uh, there's a dialogue that has consistently not happened by my observation ever since i entered tabletop and even as i talked to a lot of senior designers from all over the place um we we don't Rather, we we, val we overvalorize this push for uh, fuck you, I'll take mine, mm. uh, the survivor mentality. When, when you quote-unquote make it, uh, you're already some kind of amazing individual. That's not how it, how it works. <laughs> um, the, uh, a lot of people have called me harsh for uh, not being as supportive of some of the bigger names in, in RPGC. Uh, what I prefer to do is I prefer to just be very quiet about them publicly because I know that since American eyes are on me and American eyes are the ones that give me jobs, right? <laughs> um, the most uncomfortable thing for them to see are, are two people of color arguing with each other, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, even if I don't like someone in particular, I prefer to keep it to myself. Even if I have very terrible dirt on them, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to not give them the opportunities that I have and pass them on to somebody else or use them for myself. Mm. Uh, the, the difference between a designer and a designer who does community is a designer is someone who is trying to make their bread and butter for their own survival or for their own uh, whimsy or whatnot. And that's fundamentally, ethically okay. Nobody's telling you, don't do it. Mm -hmm. That's fine, right? Mm. But if you want to call yourself a designer who does community, you think beyond yourself. Mm. You think about how much has that person actually done for us? And when you say us, you might even be able to exclude yourself. Um, the, I, I can't, of course, mention names, but I was brought on as a consultant for a client who wanted to 
find ways to help people of color get a leg up in white spaces. Mm-hmm. And they, they asked me, okay, what about these initiatives? What do you think of them? And uh, what about this person? You mentioned somebody in, in RPGC. Do you think that they're a good fit? And I said, um, my personal biases aside, because I have plenty about them, we as friends, we do not get, as, as people, we don't get along, I wouldn't call them a friend. So mm. Put that out there right away, because I think it's really important to tell people, mm. I don't like this guy, just so you know, right? <laughs> as a person, right? <laughs> they didn't do anything to me, I just don't like him, mm. right? Um, but then I also said, look at the projects that they have published. Do you see a single person from Southeast Asia mm. that they bothered to include in their project? Have you seen them participate in community building exercises, whether it's simple threading on Twitter or talking about our issues or highlighting their own? Have you seen them interact with their peers in a productive, hey, let me help you way? Mm-hmm. Since the answer to all of that is no, that is why I do not think that they are a viable shit. Mm-hmm. So, cool, cool story, right? They're doing their design, wonderful. I hope they still, and this, this applies to anybody who's like that. I hope you all still stay in the spaces. So more voices is always better than none. Uh, but don't ever be that hypocritical designer. Because there are plenty on Twitter who say, I'm all about diversity, inclusivity. I love everybody. I'm so helpful. Oh my God, great, right? Fuck off. How dare you say Mm -hmm. that you are community if you've done nothing for anyone? Uh, (laughs) Actually, that leads to my next point. Because, you know, when you were talking about, you know, have they ever done anything for anyone else? I was thinking there's a lot of people out there who, whose public persona is absolutely that of the, of the mm-hmm. supportive person, but their reality often isn't. Like, this is something which, and I, I you and I have had some chats on Twitter and stuff about this before, and I recently <laughs> actually had this conversation with um, ZXU as well. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> I love ZX. He, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to get him on the show, but... Um, yeah, he's very busy. Yeah, he is a busy <laughs> man. Like, him, and, him and I were um, doing a consult together recently, and afterwards I just pinned him down for 20, 20 minutes just to have a talk. Yeah. <laughs> like, We're going to have a talk, man, because you and I have been back and forth and you know private messaging for years now, and I, I finally get to talk to you. Let's, let's have a talk. Um, it was great. <laughs> but one of the things that uh, I brought up when I was talking to him and, I, and I, I suspect you'll agree with me, or at least understand where I'm coming from, is I find the people whose public image is often that of the supporter or the or the, like the, the progressive or whatever, more terrifying to interact with online than the people which are, I know are bad apples or the people which I, <laughs> I know care about themselves. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. the... You know, there, there is a degree of like because the, there's something there's something in especially from the Anglosphere, this idea that like if you're not a if you're not perfect, you're not good enough, um, and especially in our spaces, and mm-hmm. I find that terrifying as someone who's trying to exist as a person with your own you know views and and thoughts and stuff like that, knowing that if it doesn't those views don't appeal to the right kind of uh, audience, 
because I'm, I'm very cognizant that like since I took over Mud and Blood and it became Toa Tabletop, I noticed the people um, amplifying the podcast changed on social media. Once it became uh, unapologetically and unobscuredly ethnic, the people who wanted to be seen to be promoting the podcast changed. Um, yeah. And I was very cognizant that to some people, I was a way to look like they were supporting an Indigenous creator, right? Yeah. And I'm very aware that to those people, it doesn't take much to be persona non grata. <laughs> and that terrifies me in a way that, like, I'm, I'm, I don't give a shit about the people who I know are racist because they don't give a fuck about me now anyway. And, I, I like, we've established that and we're just going to – that's fine. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, so it's like – I, 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 that's something I, I struggle a lot with online. And I think that goes back to like, that's sort of a counterpoint. Like, as you say, when people are looking at people going, has this person ever done anything for their, for their community and stuff like that? There's a lot of people out there who at least put on the show of doing it, but you want to make sure that they're doing it for their community and they're not doing it for their mm -hmm. own image. Right. Um, yes. Cause there's a lot of people out there who, who community build and, and, and one up people around them, for their yep. own sense of power, not yeah. for not for actual holistic reasons or anything like that. They're just wanting to be an authority, right? Yeah, I've been, I've been, I've heard that many people uh, who will not be named have said that about me. That I want power for myself. Oh, really? My usual throwback is, "Do you really think I like losing sleep <laughs> over having to do any of this? Do you do Do you think really?" that I'm getting anything out of this. Mm. I'm, I'm not, if I do get something, uh, some kind of recognition, that's wonderful. That's great. But like the reality of it is I'm a queer woman in a country that hates me. I can't even get married to the love of my life. I do until I've got this job recently, I have been struggling to make ends meet month by month. Um, it's, if you think, that I'm doing this because I want to, I guess, raise my esteem and raise my self-image. You're very deathly wrong. I have faced threats. I have been alienated from spaces. I have lost friends over this as well. Mm. Uh, of course, you know, with that kind of argument that were they really your friends, right? You, yeah, you tend yeah. to think that way at the end of it, right? But um, there was a time for Manila spaces where I was the big evil queer woman to anybody in power. Oh, really? Um, yep. They, everybody hated me. I was the face of evil for most of, of tabletop because I was so mean. <laughs> I wasn't being fair. Right. Yeah. Uh, I had, I had folks who made Facebook groups to make fun of me. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, but I did not stop doing what I do, even with the risk. I, I once had a a girl herself tell me, uh, how can you afford to be so loud, right? Like, you're lucky that you can be this loud. And I looked her in the eye and I said, you really think I'm lucky? Hmm. You, you really honestly think that compared to you, as I said, shit, who is safe, who is straight, hmm. with a boyfriend who will marry you. You think, you think that I'm lucky <laughs> right? uh, i'm speaking because it's a principle of it and i can at times be wrong and i'm fine 
with admitting that. And I am okay to ruin my mistakes and learn from them. But don't you dare ever say that I'm the lucky one. And therefore, only lucky people get to be loud and liberal, mm. right? Like and this weird, weird mentality going around all these days about this shit. Um, I've, I've honestly had moments where I've wondered to myself, um, maybe I should just be that selfish bitch. <laughs> maybe it'll make me more money, right? <laughs> I need to pay my bills, right? But... Uh, I, the closest friends have always told me, oh, Pam, you're never going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you care too much. Yeah. You, know? you love you love it at the end of the day. You have to be putting on rather, a face, right? Right. You, you, <laughs> it's not that you... I had one friend tell me, it's not that you love it. It's that you love the idea that there could be better possibilities. Mm. That one day you can just turn around and say, holy shit. Things are so much better. And that's kind of happening in RPGC now, mm. right? Like, um, people are no longer going to me uh, as the real end all RPGC person. And that's beautiful. That's exactly what I wanted. I don't want people to think that, oh, if it's RPGC, it has to be Pam. Like, no. Mm. <laughs> the point was, if it's RPGC, I want all of you to be able to think of at least three to five new names. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you're only thinking of me, there's a problem. I've failed in what I was trying to do. Mm. But if you could think of more than me, then we're making it. Um, like one of my creator friends, Momatos, the one yep. who designed Arc, right? She's the one who made the website. Yeah, it's a great website. RPGC, yeah. Right? It's wonderful. And I'm like, holy shit, I didn't do that. She did. That's cool. <laughs> right? She, Yay. She's um she's on the list of people I want to reach out to for the show as well, because um Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, should. Bim's, Bim's amazing. Yeah. Um, she she has so many. If only I could live in her brain for a day. <laughs> He's one of those designers, right? Like, whoa, I've learned so much, right? So and she, she made the website. Um, mm. So whenever people are like, hey, fam, did you do this? I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, do not credit me. I didn't do shit. She was the one who did that. And she should be recognized for it. Like mm. the, the thing that... Um, when I'm determining who needs visibility, my first question is, like, outside of, like, uh, my first question is, how many people have name recall for this individual? Like, in, and where is the name recall happening? Mm. Because, like, if they're recognized among our peers, that's a great first step. But... The point of visibility is to make sure they're recognized in centers of power. Mm-hmm. So if you are still an unknown figure in those centers of power, then the need to increase your visibility is there. Mm. I actually feel like I don't need to be more visible than I already. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I only want it at this point so that I can, I can make ends meet better for me and my partner. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only reason why I'd like to have more clout now. Right. But there are so many other designers out there who have frankly done much more amazing things than me in terms of design or community engagement. And people don't fucking know them. Mm. And that hurts me. I want people to know. Yeah, absolutely. It always, always blows me away. Like, um, I, I find it really weird because I, 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 I don't think anyone listens to this podcast even though i've seen the numbers and i know the difference i never think anyone (laughs) listens to this shit right so like i always find it really weird when i when i interact with designers who i think like have done so much shit and i'm really aware of who they are and then 
when I talk to them, they they think, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm a nobody. No one is really reaching out to me. I don't get any offers of work and stuff. Um, and, like, they're really wanting, like, I've had a few people reach out saying, can I come on your show to get some clout? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But also... No, it's the other way around. You're bringing. You're going to make people want to listen to me, man. I don't know. You're the you're the person doing the cool shit. Um, and it's just uh, there's a lot of people out there battling and not getting anywhere or not getting the recognition they deserve. And it's it's a tough one because there's just so much. Um, there's so much noise in the sink. There's just so many people. Um, and then every time you add like another compounding factor on top of it. So, you know, in the global south, or you're you know, predominantly working not in English or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're just getting pushed further and further down the totem pole in terms of, like, yeah. people's attention. And um, it's it's beyond <laughs> frustrating. Uh, and then, like, I've, I've had some big arguments with people around um, – like the this effort to try and uh, like treat us as one big community, like 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 indie creators across the world. We need to all be working together. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. And they start saying, <laughs> so now we're only gonna like you know anyone who's working for less than ten cents of a word is the enemy. And I'm like, well, there's parts of the world where like five cents a word for a project will feed them for a month. Like, and if that's yeah. if if that's the thing that's going to get them, you know, like get them the job, you know, then fuck it, power to them, you know? And there's people out there going, are you anti-capitalist or not? I'm like, well, I mean, I'm beyond that, bro. Like, let's not even go there. Like, Wait a minute. Like, hold on. Hold up. Well, uh, yeah. um, like, and, and like, I'm not going to name any names, but like, like some people who are really prominent out there who are like really waving the whole supporting the indie scene flag and stuff like that um who i've some people i've actually collaborated with even um like they just they they just really blind to the dynamics that come from being around the world and the struggles other people have and things like that and i'm it's just it really does my head in eh? <laughs> Like I get really angry, but again, I go back to what I say before. Like I'm always like, oh, if I say something, these motherfuckers are gonna like, you know, like you know, one of them, for example, runs an indie bookstore. It's like if I say something, that motherfucker's not gonna stock my book. <laughs> like, all yeah, this right. It's 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 really something. Um, when I I can I can speak about this now because the book is going to be released. Mm. Right. Can't say anything about it, but what not, right? When I had the privilege to be included in Radiant Citadel. Mm. Uh, my first thought was, holy shit, half the indie world is going to hate me for the rest of my life because I signed on for a new project. Mm. <laughs> right? Yes, yes, And yes. I, I, I lost <laughs> sleep over it. I had to talk at length to my partner, to my closest friends. I was like, I'm going to fucking die. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but then after a lot of rumination, I realized... Wait a minute. The people who will hate me for it were never truly supporting you because they did not understand that this is very important for you. Mm. Like that, mm -hmm. that I like my, 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 my colleague Mahar loves to say, he's also one of my best friends, right? He loves to say uh, the mental calculus that a person of color must do according to where they are in the totem pole is intense. Mm -hmm. um, and 
Uh, when Radiant Citadel was released, I even had some people on my feed who were already bitching about it. <laughs> hadn't even read the Polygon article. They hadn't even checked who the fuck was on it. And they were just like, this project is evil. And I remember seeing those tweets from people I once respected. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to let you finish. But let me gently remind you. You could have DM'd me any fucking time <laughs> before you made these gross assumptions about yeah. how the project is. My DMs are open. My email is everywhere. My card is up. You could have asked me first, hey, Pam, so Wizards of the Coast really has a bad history. Uh, was Radiant Citadel like that for you? You could have done that simple action instead of blasting it seven ways to Sunday and making the people around me feel horrible. Mm. Now, past Pam would have felt very bad. I would have cried about it. I would have been upset that there were people who were doing this. Current 2022, very tired Pam was just like, well, I just felt my respect nudge for you go down like 50 points. <laughs> I just quietly wrote them off, mm -hmm. right? But some of the other designers who really felt, felt really bad about it. And like, those are other people of color too, with their own struggles. How dare you do that? Yeah. How dare you make assumptions when yeah. you could have just talked to people, you know? Absolutely. A hundred percent. This is something I um I think about quite a bit because like on and like on an eternal level because I know within I've, I, I'm I'm constantly trying to rope in more Maori game designers because I'm there's so few of us that I've sort of become the de facto face and for all the reasons that you and I have discussed earlier it's something that that stresses me out I don't want to be responsible for our people's mana in the fucking scene <laughs> I don't want that um. I mean. I found a couple others. There's a few of us, but there's not many of us. Um, and the other people are very early in that journey. Um, but it's like um, I, I've spoken to a few people who I know are playing the game. I'm, people I know are playing like in a in, in the Maori world world worldview, TR Maori, and all this. And I'm like, yeah, if you want, like we should work together and. Do a thing about this, and it's like no, 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 no. Yeah, like no, 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 no. This isn't for the world. This is by Maori for Maori. Fuck everyone else. We're not sharing this, which I understand. It's a res it's a response to colonialism. So because yeah. of that, I'm always questioning myself. I haven't actually created any Maori content yet, but it's something mm -hmm. I want to do. And I've I've in a constant internal struggle about like someone asked me if if Wizards reached out and was like, hey, we want you to work on D and D. On a, like mm -hmm. this, to contribute to something because we're doing like some sort of D and D sort of inspired by Polynesia thing. Would you do it? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's like a double edged sword for me because I personally just don't like D and D. Not for like the the reasons that a lot of the other people are waving the flag about. You know, sort of yeah. whatever. It's just not my game. Never has been. Um, but like, so there's that side of it. But also the whole like. Would going to like a large organization and doing that would how would that sit with my mana? There's people and it's just accepting. I can't honestly say I wouldn't, and I can't honestly say I would. Like I'm genuinely on the fence, but I've been right. I've been on the fence long enough to know that I would never judge someone who would because if yeah. I've had to sit here and think, fuck, would I do it? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Would, like for starters, this is uh, this is just a hypothetical, so it's hard to know if I would. If it was a real offer, then you'd very quickly decide. <laughs> you'd have a better idea of, oh, okay, this is real. Am I going to do it or not? But um, it's made me like this isn't as easy as yes or no. Um, and it's not. Nice. And also, like, no one owns like like people are allowed to have different 
feelings about this sort of stuff and no one person can say this is how our culture feels about this and this is how this should be and anyone who does otherwise yeah. is, is selling out and is off it's yeah so I, I sort of i can appreciate how difficult that must have been for that and also how how upsetting it would be when people are trying to like call you out as if you're somehow less who you are <laughs> because you know you want to you're involved in making a thing and also as if like here's the other thing as well this is what i say to people who've given me a hard time about it because i i've done a lot of consultation on projects and people are like why did you consult on that thing like you can you, you allowed some white person to write with our culture in mind and stuff it's like well to be frank they were gonna fucking do it anyway i'd at least try and do a bit of harm <laughs> reduction you know like <laughs> at least try to make it not offensive in the process, and but people don't right. have that mindset. It's like, nah, fuck them, let them let them fuck up and get cancelled and shit. It's like, no, but they'll get cancelled to the us twenty Maori who give a shit, and then the rest of them, the rest of the world won't know. <laughs> like, yeah, so at, exactly. at least try and you know, it's yeah, it's a tough one. Eh? It's it's um, yeah, it's it's so. Uh, I, I do remember. That a designer I very respect, I respect a lot, rather in in the states, did say, "Okay, from here on, I ain't gonna do any more consulting. I want to do my own writing." And I'm like, "That's beautiful. Please support this person because mm -hmm. they're great." Right? Um, for for me though, uh, I wish I could be in that position yeah. where I could be hired just to write my own stuff, yeah. whether it is Filipino or not. Right, because that is also a privilege, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Being able to decide to write uh, something that is not your culture, to write whatever the hell you want to, to get mad at whatnot, to to scream what you're actually feeling on social media. Uh, but um, everybody does the curation of their social media feeds for a reason, mm -hmm. myself included, mm -hmm. uh, and most of it is driven around safety, right? Like uh, this is this is a community. Or rather, tabletop as an industry space as a whole has not grown up yet to understand things like nuance and critique. No, fuck no. To separate, no way. Right? Right? <laughs> to, then nobody gets it. And like, it hurts me because yeah. I'm an English teacher. Yeah. Right? I'm, I was an English literature teacher. I taught critical analysis. I tried to help students think in a country that doesn't like you thinking. Mm. Right? And uh, to see people even use the word discourse hurts me because the definition of discourse is not what you think it is on the majority right <laughs> when when you say discourse uh you are speaking acting and performing an ideology that is discourse it's not D D socks or what are ptba memes mm. right no, that's not discourse discourse is the active conscious or unconscious uh, performance, speech, or uh, parlance of doing an ideology of trying to impose that on another person. Mm. So, and, and I feel like whenever I introduce that to other people, I hopeful, hopefully that changes how they actually talk to other people. Like I've, I've seen uh, many creators that I've, I've spoken to who all come from from backgrounds where some kind of analysis is is their day job. Like they, they live it, they imbibe it, right? Uh, and so many of them have decided, I give up. <laughs> I've heard that on them. Like, I, I give up on the tabletop scene. I can't critique properly because then somebody's going to get mad at me and I'm going to be canceled. Mm. And that's sad. Mm. 
we we need critical talk about what's happening here uh, of analyzing the forces uh, and the oppositions that are creating these tensions and they need to be seen and they need to be acknowledged mm. because if if they're not we're just going to keep doing stupid shit in our spaces nobody's going to be happy except the white guy mm. who can do whatever fuck he wants he can make another Japan fi- version 500 <laughs> and nobody's going to be able to stop him or he can he can decide to create a little brown brother in his game every single time and everybody's just going to go like oh that's cute right <laughs> we need we need to grow up yeah 100% Again, this is something that um, Zedek and I talk about at length on on Twitter. Just like we want to make a module, like an OSR style module that is like puts puts the player in the position of first contact, and and effectively like almost presents like like is, is, is not as is, is unapologetic in how it presents the native inhabitants mm-hmm. as real people warts and all and yeah. and yeah. challenges the player to genuinely try not to be a colonist when you know and challenges their morality right in a way that right. you know like you know you, you're sitting in a situation where you have to question your own ethics versus the the rights of these people to live the way that they live they're, they're living in a way that you consider by moral politi- political standards unethical what are you going to do and both of us are like man we really want to do this but i don't know if people are ready <laughs> Dude, like like, yeah. like we, we get really upset but we really want to do it just to be like look man like you know it's not as it's not as pretty as you guys think it's not as as black and white as you guys think it's it's there's nuance here there's you know um part of accepting the reality of the situation is ex- and, and accepting someone's autonomy is also accepting that they can see the world or do things in the world that you might not consider to be good you know and that's still yes. that's still equal representation um yeah uh, it's something that we both really want to do <laughs> But it's yeah. it's it's intimidating. <laughs> yeah. I I remember I was I was on a panel with Brian Yaksha, another mm-hmm. designer in the yeah. in OSR spaces. Yeah. And uh Brian was was talking a lot. Like he has a lot of cool discourse about um what is truly the nature of evil. Yeah. Right. And for and something that that he said that I agree with a lot is that it's not about evil. It's about how did these situations push people to do bad choices? Mm. It's about that. And when you start thinking that way, it, it, you can create uh, or you can design or respect the design of other folks who have, who have set about to make a real situation. Um, because, like, for, for example, in that trials, like something that me and my colleagues are trying to do, and I wasn't the one who wrote the section, by the way. Um, my friend Shao has an entire spiel that will be in the supplement all mm-hmm. about the realities of self-colonization. Mm-hmm. That before the foreigners came into any kind of country, especially a country or especially a setting that, that is Southeast Asian based, we were all trying to kill each other. Mm. Right? Nobody likes to hear that when you, when you tell stories of colonization, imperialization. Mm. But that's our reality. Mm. Uh, and then when the big colonizer leaves, do you think that everybody just goes back to being friends? Yeah. 
(laughs) That's not what happens, right? Uh, The Philippines is in politically, is is consistently in a politically terrible situation precisely because those in power have inherited the colonial imperial mantle. Mm. Like the the few families and the 1% are the new white people in this space, right? Uh, But... Um, what, what a lot of TTRPG seems to be obsessed with is the idea of rebel, fight back, kill God, blah, right? But my question there at it is, what about the aftermath? Yeah. When you say yeah. rebellion and revolution, what happens next? Will you tell those stories? What is the end goal? Are you, are you stuck at just fighting? Mm. Uh, because if you are, then all you've given me is a pretty slogan. And cool, a cool story again. Want to design it? Fine. But... We need to move beyond that as well. And do not tell me that you are making a tabletop of convincing, riveting, revolution. If you can't even answer that question for me, what happens after? Mm. Who are the enemies now that you must deal with? What is the bigger tier in this discussion? And how will you change? And how did fighting change you? Yeah. Right. It's, it's Absolutely. tough Absolutely. Also, there's, there's a lot. There, like, like, immediately makes me think of, um, like, my deployment to Timor. So one of the first things mm. we did there was we were involved in disarming the local populace who had been in Ooh. rebellion for 30 years, right? Right, um, right. And then the UN turned up, we chased Indonesia out, and we were all like, hey, we're here now, uh, everything's safe, hand over your guns. <laughs> and like the po- gang population was 20% of the population the gangs previously were freedom fighters and they were now seen as gangs and I remember sitting there going man like if, if I was in my country here I was like all of 19 I turned 20 over there so all of 19 years old and I was thinking man if, if, if I was in my country and I'd been you know fighting against an oppressor for this long I would I wouldn't I'd be like, you know, fuck you and your new government too. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be very much like, yeah. this is what I know. This is what I grew up doing. Um, yeah. And then some, some, you know, bunch of people from another part of the world turn up and they're like, oh, hey, we're here to protect you guys now. We're going to reestablish things. <laughs> Which, like, at the time I was too young and dumb to realise what that was. But, like, in hindsight, I'm like, man. like, And I, I remember really sort of, like, like that, that deployment actually is responsible for you know who I am today. The the worldview I got, I developed over there, seeing these people who've been through it for so long. But um, yeah, um, it's the same sort of thing. Like yeah, afterwards, you know, the country didn't just go back to normal, and they weren't just all friends. And of course, when you recruit the police from one end of the country and the military from the other, that they're not going to get along. It's almost as if. <laughs> Before the West drew lines on the map, they were different people <laughs> and they had different yeah. issues. Like, and it was like, yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was interesting to see. And it's something that we don't often see represented in games um, or in, in people's idea of, of this, right? We've sort of, we like to think that you overthrow the villain and everything's fine and everyone's happy and everything. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work, work that, that way. way. It really doesn't work that way. Mm. Like, um, I, I just find it, and I particularly, and this is this is perhaps personal, but grounded in as much critique as as, as I can as I could manage. Um, I find it disingenuous how a lot of white folks, uh, a lot of white designers, have this whole like, we're going to tell stories without violence. Yeah. 
We're going to tell stories of queer people being happy. It's like the aftermath of war, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, how do you even know no. what you are saying? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I, I do remember a lot of people coming to me talking about particular games who do that. And they're like, these games are amazing. And I'm just like, I'm glad you think so. And whenever they get that very lukewarm reaction from me, they're like, okay, there's something there, Pam. And I'm like, oh, there's plenty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, um, violence is done on invisible and visible levels mm. to people without privilege on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You cannot tell me that I am not allowed to write about violence, to consult about it, to design it. Mm -hmm. Because for some people, violence is merely stick pointy end of sword into troll, get mm -hmm. treasure, mm -hmm. right? But violence for me is realizing that a government that tells me that I am a citizen also does not care whether I live or die because I am not a straight citizen, nor am I a man. Mm. That is violence for me. Right. Uh, how do you describe that in design without ruffling a lot of feathers? Another form of violence for me is being a global self-creator who has to deal with people of color. Some of them also diasporic Filipinos telling me I'm racist for not understanding their struggles when they refuse to understand mine. Mm. Right. So uh, there's just so much... We're so fond of, of slogans, of big ideas, of great wins, right? Mm -hmm. But none of that ever comes easy. And the more that we can talk about that in design, the more that we can be frank about it and really look at the person in front of us and see them for who they are, even if we don't understand it, the better everyone else would be. Like, no, you don't even, I, my, my biggest plea is that when people see me in the spaces, I'm not even asking you to like me. I'm asking for you to respect me. Yes. And respect my right to be mad, upset, happy, sad, whatever. Respect my right to decide whatever the hell I want. If we can do that and coexist, that would be the ideal world for me. Not like, uh, kumbaya, everybody's happy. There's no such thing as that. Absolutely. I just want to be left. Right? I just want to be left in my own space. And I'll leave you in yours. I won't come... Rushing in like a battering ram, trying to destroy you, as long as you leave me alone. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. We um we have a concept uh, in Te Ao Māori which is mana, right? Where mm -hmm. the idea of like this magical power that's used in video games comes from mana, mm -hmm. um, right. and that's your authority and your who you are, like the your ancestors sort of empower your mana, the people around you empower your mana, your actions empower your mana. It's sort of, it's your sense of being and something that is bigger than you. It's like the mark you leave on the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's like you don't need to like someone for them to have mana and you disliking someone doesn't remove their mana, right? And I think that's something that, uh, you know, white people could learn from. You know, like yeah. they don't need yeah. to like you to respect your mana and to acknowledge yeah, exactly. you have it, you know, um, and they don't need to agree with you either. And just because they disagree with you doesn't diminish your mana. You know? Right, exactly. Um, Gosh. So I, I think that's, that's yeah, I, I, I feel where you're coming from. I, I, have, I have a similar pet 
this like as well, but it's like when people talk <laughs> about um, you always see like these games, which is like we're going to do the ethnic utopia that never was because colonialism and we're going to make some like future utopia thing that's based on like, you know, Afrofuturism or something. And, and I'm like, but like that, nah, but you know, that's very, it's very whitewashing. You're like, you're acting as if this trauma doesn't exist. And we're just sort of like, Oh, we're, we've fixed it now. This is what it could have been. And, you know, like there was no racism, so everything's fine. And it's like, oh, that's, that's not actually acknowledging or addressing the reality that of what has happened, what is happening, what is going to happen. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it feels like people are trying to make feel like, and this, this is true of people of color are trying to make feel good stuff to sell to white people. So they can be like, look at me, I'm not racist. I'm playing this game. That's about this other culture being all great without our influence. How awesome is that? Right. And it's like, <laughs> I fucking hate this shit. <laughs> like power to the people making it and selling it, but I have no interest in it at all. Right. Like. Because you, know? you cannot see yourselves, right, outside of the colonial reality. Yeah. Right? Like, I have a lot of designer friends here. Oh, no, there's one designer in particular here whose entire thought exercise has been creating a pre-colonial Filipino sense. Mm. And I love the fact that they are trying to do this because this person, at least, does in his research. He's read everything. He's listened to everything. He has martial arts consultants. He's like... Uh, he, he is envisioning a show of themes that is not accessible to us at all. And he's also being very unapologetic about it mm. in a good way. It's not a, this is like our future. This could have been like uh, my, my friend is being, no, this is not, uh, this is not a utopia that we can dream of. Mm. This is a terrible, violent setting. And this is a setting that idealizes many things for my own benefit. That honesty for me is what makes the difference between a, a feel good, we can all sing about this and let the white people enjoy it game. Right. Yes. And he yeah. also is very unapologetic about like, I don't care if white people buy this game or not. It'd be nice because I get dollars, but I'm writing it for myself mm. and writing it for my, right. The difference between writing for, uh, and, and, and I guess it's not really a difference. It's more of, I think it would help a lot of designers to determine who their audience is. Mm. Like, are you writing for, for a white audience? If so, these may be the following constraints that you must consider. But if you're writing for yourself, you do not need to be apologetic mm. about the, the untranslatable, the unknowable, and the unconceivable in the white eye. You only need to be genuine to you and to anyone who sees you. That's it. Mm. Will it sell? Maybe not. But what's the point? Uh, was the point economical? Like, were you out to do this to make money? Uh, because unfortunately, that's the rubric right now. Mm. Our stories are cheap compared to the stories told by someone with privilege. Mm -hmm. It's a painful reality that many of us are trying to fight to change, but it's reality. So it sucks that we have to make the choice. But while we have to make the choice, think about it. Think about what you're doing. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually, there's something which I've often, I've seen like indie designers on Twitter, of course, um, 
always getting really angry that they're making games and people aren't buying them and they're angry that other people are like giving games away for free because they see that as competitive and they can't compete with that or they're angry Mm -hmm. that like their their word document turned into a pdf that they've priced at the same price as a a fully sort of produced thing isn't selling and (laughs) and like this idea that like the world sort of owes them an income for this they, they, they the world owes them the ability to do this for a living and like that's something because invariably they're almost always white and that's something which <laughs> frustrates me because it's like I, like i i acknowledge the fact that like everything is a struggle for you know indigenous colonized people of color etc and i've come to accept the fact that people aren't perfect there's no such thing as a perfect ally there's no such thing mm-hmm. as 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 me just making something and and the in the world will give back to me for it you have to fight tooth and claw for everything so when i see other people being like this is really unfair that i can't just do this like well what the fuck are you doing about it like you know <laughs> like like be realistic with yourself and then ask yourself like is it because you're like, like, you know, like make the decision, like you're either going to produce for the, the audience that, that you want, or you're going to proactively try and improve the view of, of the scene as a whole to try embrace what you do more. If you're choosing the latter, you know, good on you, really good. Be ready for some long, hard, thankless work. But like, that's, you know, that's, that's, there's money around what you're doing. Um, it's, it, it frustrates me that like, <laughs> there's this this I I don't know like I struggle with the a, disconnect from reality yeah right? it is like <laughs> like oh I, I recently I'm just gonna start ranting now you've just I've, I've, <laughs> there was there was recently um all that stuff came out about um Ma Baker is that the guy's name M, M, the guy that did um mm-hmm. um Apocalypse World no 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 um Empire of the Petal Throne and all that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, Turns yeah, out he was yeah, a secret yeah. Nazi, right? Right. Oh, that one. Okay, yeah. the different person. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The old, yeah. old oh, yeah. Barker, whatever his name was. Right, okay. No, right, and he, right. he had published under a pseudonym when he was still alive. He's dead now. Um, like a Nazi mm-hmm. book. And he was oh, a publisher for like <laughs> Nazi magazines and stuff. Um, unapologetically really bad person. <laughs> But like was hiding it because he knew it was unacceptable. And this this is a guy that had grown up like in his teens during World War Two. So he had seen that and you know, and he later on in life was a Holocaust denier, despite the fact that he lived through that whole thing. Right. And I, some people online were discussing why they're not gonna fuck with that stuff anymore because, you know, like you don't want to be supporting or buying like it, it makes you feel uncomfortable playing the game written by someone who given the opportunity would cease your existence and then people were saying like you know and comparing that's lovecraft it's like well hold on heaps of people play lovecraft stuff even though everyone acknowledges that the guy was racist and i was like <laughs> and i i made a comment going well there is a difference like someone was a bigot and and we know he was a bigot and that bigotry actually kind of informed his work if we're honest that's what makes it so you know sort of like hits us the way it does um but also the other guy actively wanted to to get rid of groups of people on this planet right (laughs) one person was ignorant the other one was hateful they are not the same and like one 
<laughs> one quite, one quite um, prominent designer based in Australia who is very, their image is that they are quite liberal. Cherry picked that tweet that I, that I did in response and retweeted it and we disagree. You're either pro-genocide or you're not. And I'm like, yo, don't fucking like retweet me <laughs> and try and use me. To like get brownie points, you're oh, like God, like I, I was like that, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're you're white. You you can afford to be binary. You don't have to decide every day. Is this person too problematic for me to work with? Is this pro, is this person safe enough for me to engage yeah. with? There is no such thing as a perfectly yeah. safe ally. Like, like yeah, if, nice. yeah, unless unless they have your exact like place in the world there is no such thing anytime you're interacting with someone outside of your culture there is no such thing as something or work that's 100 percent safe like doesn't matter how yep. many consultants you have doesn't matter who you get to contribute nothing will be safe for everybody that's the whole idea of safety it's impossible yeah, to achieve exactly. right yeah, so i was exactly. like don't don't come at me and be all like fucking binary yes no like this guy is good or bad that is it because uh, some of us have to sit here every day and decide is this a is, you know how 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 risky is me engaging with this individual? Um, I got really angry at that sort of mindset there, and that that that, that stuff pervades everything. <laughs> like when it comes it really to does. this this, this conversation, yeah. right? And again, actually, like a, yeah. sorry, go on. Yeah. Oh, no, you go ahead. No, 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 no. You, I, I, I always let my guests talk. My, my, list, <laughs> my listeners have heard me talk shit and often <laughs> the same five rants over and over again for years. <laughs> yeah, trust me, you're doing them a favour. <laughs> uh, for the, the, the whole QRT thing, I did have this one white person from Toronto who was consistently QRTing some of my stuff going like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And like, I let him go for one tweet. So I was like, all right, he's one of those douchebags, but fine. And then he kept fucking doing it. And I was like, block, because I don't need you mm, mm. to use me, colored woman, to make you look good. Yeah. If you want to feel good, like if you have enough money, go to a therapist. If you don't, find some form of touching grass. Leave my tweets alone. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like I've also seen, um, gosh, like I, I, the Twitter itself is just such a terrible platform. I I thoroughly wish we didn't have to use it sometimes. Like yeah. yeah, I'm so. I'm glad that I've met people like you through it. Like wonderful, great. Maybe when the that then that's probably the only reason why I stay on the platform mm. for the chance of meeting people that I can connect with <laughs> on a fundamental level, right? Other than like, hi, I need help. Please help me pay my bills. Mm. Or like, hello, here's a project. It's shiny. Yeah. Or or like, look, RPGC is doing a thing. Did I do it? No, but RPGC did. Like, that's like the only reason why that feed exists. And also the occasional like F14 tweet of like, I'm so done with this game, but I love it. Or like, here's my cat. <laughs> that, that's that's it that's the only why that's the only reason why i stay yeah i um for some reason i don't know why twitter is the most successful social media for to tabletop like facebook no one gives a shit reddit no one gives a shit <laughs> anywhere else no one gives a shit like oh, we've got a great community on discord and and that they, they, they do a really good job and we keep sucking in new people through them but like twitter is the one where i get the most reach and um yeah Oh, I hate it. It's something. 
I hate it so much. I'm only on Twitter for RPG stuff. I wasn't on it until a few years ago. Um, like, yeah, my entire music career, I never went on Twitter, none of that. And I now I go on there and, like, I struggle with it. There's some great people on there and I get to see some cool ideas. But for every cool thing mm-hmm. I see, mm-hmm. there's, like, five fucking bad ones. And it gets it's, <laughs> sucks me down. And I think if Elon Musk does take it over, that might just be the straw that breaks the camel's back. <laughs> I don't like him either. So <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. I wanted to um, I wanted to actually talk to you a wee bit about cultural consultation because this mm-hmm. is something that um, I've had a few discussions with other consultants re- recently around the value and purpose of what consultation is for, right? Because a lot of people, it's becoming increasingly a box-ticking exercise. And there's this idea that if you get a consultant, they'll help you make a a safe work. And you're now free from criticism. You got the rubber stamp. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... I'm keen to hear from you, like when you're doing consultation, how what what's your sort of approach to it and what sort of guarantees or, or thoughts do you give, you know, to, to people like, like, like you know, because I find increasingly that my opening email that I send out to everyone who reaches out to me for consultation is getting more and more stuff added to them about how I'm not guaranteeing <laughs> that they're... This or that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, so I'm, I'm kind of keen to hear your thoughts on the like the strengths and weaknesses because like like Zedek doesn't like consultation, right? He he, he right. recently told me this after, to a guy who was hiring the two of us to consult, and he was like, "Look, I'll be honest, I don't like consult consultation for this X, Y, and Z, and wrestles off these reasons." Um, and they were very valid and good reasons. And I was like, wow, man. And because and, and of, <laughs> of that, it's had me thinking about this stuff a bit. So I'm, I'm curious for your perspective on it. Well, uh, for one, the, okay, what a lot of consultants in our spaces either ignore or are not cognizant of is the reality of our position, much like the reality of a community management position, is that you must work towards obsolescence that you have to try your best to make sure that your clients will no longer at one point need people like you. Mm. It's almost like therapy, right? You go to a therapist because you have acknowledged that there are many things in your life that are creating stress points and trauma. And the point of having a therapist so that one day they can say, right now you're doing fine. Goodbye. I hope to never see you again. That's that's the point of consultancy and also community management for me. Um, how I manage it is being real. I've had the luck of having clients who approached me with genuine intent. Mm-hmm. The real like, hello, we are a white company or I am a white person. I want to do X and Y, but I want to do this. I haven't so rather, but I haven't started the project. So I want you on board as both designer and consultant so that we don't end up writing those stories and you do. So I've had the luck of having those clients, mm-hmm. not the clients of here's my 500 page weeb story about an anime thing yeah. of a culture. I don't understand. Please, 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 read it, please. Yeah. Right. Like I don't, I haven't had those clients. Yeah. I've had the clients who actually care, who were willing to learn and told me at several points, we see what you want to do, but we are terminally white and we cannot do it. Can you write that part instead? And we will pay you. Mm. Right. I'm very lucky that way. 
Um, so if I ever got more clients that did the fix my shit and I won't actually listen to you, uh, when, when you do, um, I do have a policy of telling them when I don't want to be credited mm-hmm. Yes, same. Yeah. Uh, and just taking the money and go, yeah. right? Because it's a reality of a job. Sometimes you get good jobs, sometimes it won't. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm actually in the consultation seat, uh, I am not afraid to tell somebody this is not going to work. Yeah. And take out this whole fucking section mm-hmm. because it ain't happening. And when faced with people who have been way too attached to those ideas, I leave. Yeah. There's, there's just no other choice. Uh, it's, I wish that we wouldn't have to make our bread and butter on consultancy. Again, ideal world, things that you work for that we won't ever get to see. But while those people exist, and since, as you said earlier, they're just going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are in the position to assist in any way, and you'd like to assist in that way, go for it. But if you're also in the position of being fuck all tired of having to speak your, your, your truths and have these white folks go, oh, that's cute, and ignore you, then uh, don't do it anymore. Mm. Uh, the, another harsh reality of the consultancy and sensitivity spaces here is that a lot of consultants, and I know this is particularly from uh, people of color in America, think that their lived experience alone makes them a good consultant. <laughs> That's not the case. <laughs> no, yeah. It takes rigor and training and understanding and not just knowing and imbibing and consuming those realities, but being able to take all of that into a little box and look at every single part and apply it into the, the case that you're doing, whether it's fiction or it's a role-playing game. Uh, like me being a Filipina woman it's queer doesn't mean that I can suddenly consult on queer issues. Mm-hmm. I, um, I find that disingenuous and I do wish that some consultants who are doing that would, would stop because like, I respect their need for, for financial survival, but that work is also fundamentally dishonest. Yeah. Uh, you will not do as good of a job as someone who has the training and the rigor to really, really think about these things and really talk about these things and apply them to design. Yes. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've often thought that as well. I, um, I actually charge really high for my work <laughs> for the, yeah. the idea of putting off the people who just want a quick sensitivity. Yeah. Read, right. Uh, like, yeah. There you go. That's another way. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. it's interesting, right? For whatever reason, I don't know why, um, <laughs> in the last six months, I've been approached mm-hmm. to do consults and sensitivity reads on three erotic fictions, right? Uh, Written okay. by white American women um, that happen to have a mildly love interest. I don't know why. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, like I set out to be like, I'm going to consult on games. So, sometimes you get to choose your calling, and other times your calling chooses you. And. Um, <laughs> That's that's been fucking interesting. I'll tell you that right now. That's a very different angle on um on the work. Um, but they keep like I keep yeah. I, like I don't think they know each other. I don't think I'm getting recommended or any. I don't know if there's like some forum somewhere for like smart writers, and they're like, "Yo, this guy." I don't know if like that's happened, but um, the first person to do it actually got <laughs> uh, posted on Twitter, and it was Cam Banks was like, "Hey." 
I know a Māori fella who can read that for you. And I was like, fuck it, I'll have a look. And then from from there, a whole bunch of them come out. But it's been um, but that's really interesting when you're starting to go, okay, hold on. At this, like, I always ask the question first before I agree to do the job. Why Māori? Right? Like, why why our culture? And and this, especially because when you're working in smut. It is at that point we are literally being like fetishized. Like that is so I'm like, why? Like what what what's important why was it important that an all three It had to be yeah, this, all right? three of yeah, the male leads yeah. have been the same. They all play rugby. They're all related to an all black, which is our national rugby team. They all they all have tribal tattoos and they're yeah. all big and ripped. But slightly soft, like they're not—they're not ripped, ripped, but they're—they're they're big, you know. As a as an erotic reader, right? Because I love that stuff, right? I'm like, oh dear, <laughs> I, I see where this is going. Yeah, and it's oh, all—it's all the same. So I have to like explain to um explain to them like uh, we, we, yeah, like yeah. I, I use a traffic light system when I when I when I'm doing a read. If it's a sensitivity mm-hmm. read, like I, I'll I'll like call out phrases or paragraphs and. Green, mm-hmm. yellow, red. I make it clear that if there's enough, too many reds or unaddressed yellows, that I'm, if, if I'm, I'm either out completely or I reserve the right to not be credited. But um, it's um, like, it, I, I'm always having to explain, like, don't call the guy like a beast when he's, when, you, when you're trying to explain that he's <laughs> oh, no. big, right? Because like, Oh, no. Because okay. you know, like we've got a <laughs> bit of a history of being compared to animals, and that's not cool. And like, and I'm lucky that oh, everyone no. I've worked with has been really open, and they've 100 percent taken on every recommendation that I've made. But um, I'm like, man, we're seeing some patterns. <laughs> Everyone wants like Carl Drogo meets like a, a, a all black, you know, like a rugby player prop. No. Um, <laughs> It's, it's, it's hilarious but um what it is is because of like so i've been getting a lot of that work more so than the rpg stuff i really appreciate the rpg stuff because they're more inclined to be like get you in as you say at the start and be like hey i haven't started this yet we need to get involved which is something which i think is super important for anyone engaged in consultation don't write the work and then reach out afterwards you know like at least have that that consult in the storm and form stage or even better Mm -hmm. get the people to write some stuff themselves um because like that that participation is key right like like we have a thing in new zealand itself the the, founding document what made us a nation is um the, the treaty of waitangi and Obviously, it got ignored for 200 years. And then when it went to the courts uh, back in the 80s, they established that, like, the primary principles of it, uh, you know, protection and participation and, you know, mm-hmm. a, a bunch of other bits and pieces. But the participation was a key one. And that, that means at the start, right? So I also have had to do cultural, um, like, advising in a professional sense, mm-hmm. like in, in the business sense. Um, at, at my last mm-hmm. job, I was on a panel there that was overseeing their move to be more sort of cope up or appropriate and um, mm-hmm. explaining to people, yo, this isn't just getting one of us in at, after the fact. You've written the whole plan up and then we come in and we marry it up. That's not how this works. You get us in when you're first talking about it and that's what participation means. And luckily here, we're, that's a legally binding thing. We, you have to you have to have us as participating. And I think that's something that we need to get out a bit more to people who are wanting to work with 
consultants is get that participation factor up. That's huge. Instead of like doing and, it after the fact, you know? Yeah. And also uh consultants should reserve the right to say, scrap this entire project. Mm. Right. It's terrible. And if they don't, then that's a loss. Sure. You, but at least you tried. Mm. Right. Again, I respect creators who are like, I don't want to do this. And that is the first step for me, that they're being honest. Mm. Rather than, uh, I'm going to make money on consultancy, but they don't actually know fuck all of what they're really doing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I, I feel like it's a lot better to just outright reject it if you really don't like it or you don't have the know-how to do so. Because uh, you're lending more power to the status quo in a way. Yeah. At times, if you're not careful about it, if you're not nuanced about it, if you don't have these tasks. Uh, I had one wonderful client recently who, who wanted to do... Southeast Asian inspired content. And he came to me very aware that this is not the, it's not ideal. He wants to get it done. So the consultancy work uh, was both me reviewing the document and giving him solid recommendations for collaborators from Southeast Asia. Uh, he originally wanted me to be one of the people writing, but I told him that's a conflict of interest. Yeah. I cannot yeah. do your consultancy yeah. and also be a writer because my blind spots will come out playing. So here are some of my friends. You go talk to them yeah. <laughs> and come back to me if you need help. You know? Absolutely. There's been a couple of um, projects that I've called out for being, you know, racially insensitive um, online. Yeah. And then every time a creator or <laughs> of, of that project or a fan from that project has reached out and been like, hey, would you be interested in coming in and cleaning it up? I'm like, no, I can't sit here and call you out and then get involved. That's a conflict of interest. And I want to be seen to be that person drumming up business for myself. And like, mm-hmm. like and people always like, you know, I had to explain that to um a good friend of mine actually recently who a project he worked on as an editor um had mm-hmm. a few pretty glaring blind spots in it that because he's you know, white background, he hadn't noticed or it wasn't in there because he was only an editor for part of it. So he didn't notice it or anything. So when I was like, yo, this is this thing that I paid money for, I kickstarted it. I get it. I look at it. I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is a bit, you know, like there's some colonial tropes here I don't like. And this is, a, I'm seeing myself represented in a negative way and I don't like it. And I said that and, um, and if, yeah, my mate goes, oh, you should, you know, this is still like an early beta. It's not finished yet. You should reach out to the creator and explain to him what he's done wrong. And, you know, like uh-huh. all this sort of thing. And I'm like, nah, it's not my job to actually police other people. Um, yep. It's other people's jobs to police themselves. And if they don't want to police themselves, <laughs> that's fine. But mm-hmm. it's also fine for me to say that's fucking racist. And that's okay, <laughs> exactly. right? Like, um, and I thought, <laughs> like, there's this weird idea out there that everyone's like, we should all be aiming for some sort of equilibrium. It's like, like, and that was ZX's critique is like, he thinks people should be more willing to make mistakes, if, at least as long as they're honest about those mistakes and they accept the fact that. They're making imperfect art because it's in that imperfection yep. that we start seeing, you know, like the yep. unique stuff that comes out. Um, yep. So it's like that's something that, you know, like I'm trying to tell people as well is like, look, I'm not here to try and make this thing some beige, safe thing. Because for starters, as I said like an hour ago in this conversation, there's Māori out there that think this shit shouldn't exist at all. I can't protect you from those people. They are going to hate it. Like, this is, a, this is it. Like, this that's an ongoing battle we're having in this country. So you either, if you want to be free of critique, don't fucking do it. Or 
uh-huh. accept there's going to be yep. a degree of critique and just do your best yep. and accept that some people are going to fucking call you out. Or don't do your best. Just make whatever shit you want to make. And when you get called racist for it, at least say, well, fuck it. I was making something I wanted to play. You know, just, yep. <laughs> just own it. Just own it, right? <laughs> like it's when people try and like it's when everyone's like, no, I can't be racist. That people get really like, well, but you fucking are, man. Like that's where that's where the shit comes from. Just accept, <laughs> accept that. Like when people critique you, go, yeah, sorry, I didn't know any better, and I was just making something I wanted to play with my friends, and you know, I could have done better, but whatever. No, at least be honest about it, man. And then like it'd be like, fair enough. You know, I, I respect that. I don't want to play your game, but I respect <laughs> that. Yeah, at least being upfront with me. Cognizant about these mistakes. Well, that's the thing, right? Like okay. I was actually talking to a, a colleague. Um, at work just the other day, he's uh someone, and he was covering for a coworker. And part of our job, we work in social housing. Part of our job is going mm-hmm. into people's homes and making sure they're safe and everything like that. Once you know, like we go visit them, and make right. sure the people are okay. So this guy's covering for a coworker. He goes to someone's house to deliver a letter informing them that he would be back in a few days to do one of these checks. And the guy comes out and confronts him on the yard, like, what are you doing here? All this sort of thing. It's like, oh, hi, I'm from, you know, this organisation. Um, and I'm just letting you know, just giving you a letter to let you know I'm going to come back and just do a health and safety inspection in a couple of days' time. And the guy's like, nah, I don't fuck with N-words, right? And and it's it's funny because everyone else in the office, all the white people are like, oh, Whereas the bro Dan was like, I actually appreciated it because I knew where I stood with the guy and we just got it out the way. Like, cool, fine, you're an asshole. You don't like me. I don't have to like you. We have to work together. Let's just get it over and done with. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. and push on. And yeah. it's like sometimes you appreciate that sort of honesty. I, I I find that easier to work with than I do like this whole faux niceness. And we're all going to get yeah. along. Yep, <sighs> yep. And we all have to acknowledge that we're all good people, even though we know some of them aren't, and all all of that. Fucking oh man! <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think it also it also comes from the fact that people are obsessed with this idea that like you are a safe, perfect person. There's no such no. thing as a safe, perfect person, right? No, yeah. It's when you say that something is safe, you say that the action that they did at this time was safe. The actions that they have done consistently over an X period of time is safe. Therefore, they're trustworthy. You'd never say, right, that this person is 100% safe. There was a, tre- there was a trend on Twitter around 2000. It's the last year. It's the last year of 2020 where somebody started this whole positivity thing of like, tell the world about the safe people out <laughs> yeah, there. I know, yeah, I remember and I was that. just like, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not how it works. Yeah. And of course, some people were like, I'm upset that she took my good intent, but I'm just like, I don't care that you're upset. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you were wrong, right? You were wrong. I was telling you, you were wrong. A lot of people were telling you, you were wrong. Work to accept the fact that you were wrong. The the, the frailty of, of whiteness, mm. right? That's, that is a concept that also means a lot of interrogation and deconstruction. Like just now on Twitter, uh, some some folks were once again celebrating a uh, American company has really put itself out there as like, we're so supportive. We do great games. We're like the indie warriors, blah, 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 blah. And I did see some interesting stuff of, of folks that I knew critiquing that only to have these defenders come in and say, I was just supporting a friend. And I'm like, so I'm not allowed. 
to critique this company that yeah. I know personally, of course, can't again name names. I'd rather not, but like, I know their shit, mm. as do the people who are critiquing them. Mm. We should be allowed to say as much without risk of somebody trying to defend yeah. them. Right. Now, if you want to celebrate your friend's success, good on you, but I don't have to like it, mm. nor should I be silent about it. Right. Yeah. Horrible Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Like, I, um, I've got two things I want to say to that. Um, first, what you're just saying reminds me of, um, uh, Lance, you know, the game Lancer, it's like a, um, space sort yeah. of mech game. Very familiar with it. I, I played a campaign. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I remember watching again, Zedek, I keep bringing him up. Clearly I have a man crush on him. Um, <laughs> he, he was like, yo, the, the central sort of empire thing in the setting feels pretty colonial and it's really weird that people keep trying to tell me that this world is like you know because and I've, I've had this too people say to me that people struggle with lancer because they can't accept that there is a central government that's genuinely trying to work in the best interests of its people as a utopia <laughs> and he's like clearly whoever th- says that or thinks that hasn't read this and he got dogpiled mm-hmm. and he got dogpiled by people who uh like you know say all the right things and their their Twitter bios say all the right things. And, mm-hmm, and it was, mm-hmm. I just remember being like, man, like, <laughs> like this is the problem. Someone says to you, mm-hmm. oh, we are good people. We're making good content. And everyone's like, yeah, they're good mm-hmm. people making good content. And anyone that says otherwise is bad and wrong and needs to shut the fuck up. And we, <laughs> you see that with like, whenever people like, it's, I, I'm loath to bring it up because this sort of goes both ways. There's a lot of people who just love to hate them. And I, I personally don't give a fuck either way, but like critical role because they try to present a front of being quite woke. Mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. just assume that they are perfect, even though like they, they, they've got blind spots. They make a lot of mistakes. I will say they do tend to, when they've called out on those mistakes, they at least tend to acknowledge that they make a mistake, which is better than a lot of people. But <laughs> um but then, like the the their fans will jump on anyone who's calling them out, <laughs> and like, and but then like because they've made mistakes, there's people who assume that they are just horrible bad people all the time, and there's nothing they can do to redeem themselves. And it's like fuck, just get over it. Um, so that's that's point number one. Point number two I want to bring up is because of like my work in mental health services and addictions and stuff over the years, I've had to do a, quite a few cultural safety courses, right, as part of our upskilling and frankly you never do just one like a lot of organizations will at least here will have you do one cultural safety course and like you're culturally safe you need to keep that's like your driver's license you need to renew that shit you need to keep proving you've you've got that, that that knowledge but i've always noticed the people in the room who are new to this concept of safety really struggle with this idea that it's not up to you if you are safe you don't get to say yeah. that you are safe you don't get to you know yeah. like and just because he over there says you're safe doesn't mean that she over there is wrong if she says you're not that's not how this works right and a lot of people generally and and i think it's because in the modern era and in the, in the western age of individualism we like to think that we are in control of our destinies and 
in this in yeah. this world in this like entire world that's operating in a way of like a meritocracy we like to think that we can right. build our own merits and we we know we're good people i don't put on a fucking white hood and go burn crosses i'm not racist right people have this mentality and like i know within myself that i don't hate people of these colors so why are people trying to say that this thing i do is racist it's not up to you and that's, that's the thing people struggle with, right? People struggle with this uh-huh. concept that someone else can be triggered by or find you unsafe and there's nothing you can fucking do to, to change that. And it's not up to you to change that, right? Um, I think people need to be a bit more okay with that. We need to just accept, mm-hmm. like um, I'm a big, again, I'm rambling and going off course. I'm a big fan of stoicism, right? Like um, specifically Epictetus. And he would teach that there's only two things you can, con- the only things worth being stressed or upset about in the world. And this is going to sound fucking ironic after I've been ranting about Twitter for the last hour. <laughs> but the only things to be stressed, worth being stressed and upset about in the world is what you say and what you do. Right, as things you can control, and the only things you can control is what you say and what you do. Right, I feel like the world needs to fucking figure that out and go, Right, okay, (laughs) I'm gonna try and say and do better things, but it's not up to me to to worry about what those, you know, like, like, yeah, you, I know, I know, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm just all worked up now. There's just always a lot of things, right? Like I, whenever I have podcasts or interviews like this, uh, I mean, that's why you saw me vaping away, yeah. right? Because I'm like, okay, I'm going to strap in because this is going to be a discussion, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I, there were a couple before where uh, I did ask someone once asked me, can you do a podcast and talk about community? And I'm like, can I drink on stream? And they were like, oh, sure and i'm like yeah and then after we were done they were like i see why and i'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like uh so it, it, it's a uh, there, there's just so many i have a lot of hope at the end of the day and i think that's something that a lot of people who think they know me from twitter don't understand yeah. i do have a lot of hope that our spaces and our people all of us will be able to change that we can transform, uh, we can transform the spaces in ourselves in a way that we can all have our own little shores, that we can all individually achieve what we want out of what we're doing. Mm. Whether it's somebody who wants to produce on the level of a hobby, that they're passionate about it and they wish to share it, or that someone can walk through a door, get a job in tabletop, feel safe enough to continue in tabletop and design, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, the, I've long passed the point of being, I guess, over-idealistic about it, that somehow there won't be tension or there won't be struggle. There will always be tension and struggle. But the point was to minimize mm-hmm. it and to determine where it's natural for someone to struggle with this or there are external factors and internal factors that are creating an issue for them such that it is impossible for them to get a leg up in a way that they need yes. to, yeah. right? Like uh, that's that's what I want at the end of the day as a designer, as an editor, as consultant, as whatnot. I also hope that in the last note, I also hope that I will eventually not have to be a consultant mm. um, or be called upon uh, by by many folks to go like, we don't know who you are. Can you educate us about blah, right? Like I'd, I'd love it if I didn't have to yeah. do that. Um, 
perhaps I'll make the personal choice to stop at one uh, at one point. Maybe when I'm much more comfortable in my position and I don't have to like do the 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 rounds mm. to increase my my monthly. Maybe, uh, but until then, that's that's where it is. So just work every day and do it yeah. and figure out what you can fight and what you can't. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Cool. I actually think that's a really good spot to finish our first episode's chat. That's really good. There's a really nice wrap up. Yeah, absolutely. Totoku, <laughs> everything you just said. Um, cool. Awesome. No, thank you for coming on. A couple of weeks' time, Farnay, make sure you come back and check that out. And there we have it, Farnay. I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. As I said right at the start, it's a bit of a different chat to what we have had on the channel. But I think it's good. It's enlightening. Um, hopefully you feel so too. You know, make sure you uh, come and get involved on our various social media and let us know. Let me know what you think, what your thoughts are around this. Um, yeah, that'd be really good. That'd be really, really good. Best way to do that is to come over to our Discord, a link to which is on the website at .com. Uh, there's a link at the bottom of the page that'll take you straight there, as well as to our other social medias, Patreon, etc. And next week will be Carrying Company, uh, episode seven, season two, I believe. Um, and then obviously the second half of my conversation with Pam will be on the week after that. So two weeks from now. Uh, if you liked what you heard today and want to support us, uh, the best way to do that is at Patreon. Www.patreon.com uh, forward slash Toa Tabletop. Uh, you get various sort of Patreon perks like being involved in games run by me, um, getting to listen to you know these episodes early, raw format of these episodes, a monthly ramble, a monthly rant, um, Q and A, things like that. So it's definitely worth it. I think a lot of people seem to enjoy it. Uh, and maybe you all too. If you want to support us and uh, you can't afford the, you know, to front up for Patreon, I get it. I get it. You know, it's hard times out there in the world. No expectation from me to, for people to pay money that they don't have. Um, if you're going to buy something off Drive Through RPG, however, we do have affiliate codes included in the show notes of this episode. Every time you buy something, get a kickback. It doesn't cost you any extra, but it uh, helps us out. So a big thank you to all of you who listened. A big thank you to our patrons who support the show. A huge thank you to Pam for coming along and sharing her experience with us. Um, and a big thank you to Danheim for the theme music of the show. And a thank you to WebDM for hosting the show. Just thanks all around. I'm in a very thankful mood today. Thanks to my puppy for not barking and ruining this this uh, this take like he did the last three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so just think this thankful this year you gotta enjoy the little things gotta enjoy the little things anyway let me know on social media or in our community at our discord what you thought of this episode and uh yeah catch you next time I don't know.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.